It's kind of like what Jesus said, how could you benefit if you gain the whole world but forfeit your soul? We sort of think about that as an evangelistic appeal to somebody who might be far from God. Like, don't waste your life chasing after fame and fortune. But what happens is we stop thinking about the soul once you're saved. Intentionality that needs to go around the health of their souls. Yes, they're saved, but their souls need strengthening. And so we, our team, started playing with the idea of SOS, which is that universal distress signal. Three dots, three dashes, three dots. In 1906, just fun facts for you here, the International Radio Telegraph Convention agreed to make this a distinct Morse code sequence used in maritime rescue situations. Now, that also stands for in Morse code S three dots, O three dashes, S three dots, though it was not originally an abbreviation, just a distinct code sequence. In maritime use, save our ship just makes sense. However, another mnemonic phrase associated with the SOS distinct Morse code sequence was save our souls. And that's exactly what our guest Mindy Caliguer has been writing about, talking about, presenting on for years. Stick around as ECFA president Michael Barton discusses things that are so relevant for the Christian leader today, the health of their soul. Um, so we were not only wanting to say save our souls, but also strengthening our souls. And that's that's what I think every leader, every leader needs to be able to see themselves in. Well, hello. We are so pleased today to be joined by uh, my friend, Mindy Caliguire, founder of Soul Care. Mindy, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Hey, doing well. I am so looking forward to today's conversation. I know you and I have talked so much even off screen, off podcast <laughs> recording about just this whole topic on healthy leadership. And I feel like we are kindred spirits uh, in so many ways. So anyway, I'm just, I'm looking forward to today's conversation, talking about healthy leadership, talking about why that's more critical than ever, but also um, I think really a good question for our whole community, which has been a focus of many of our conversations lately too, is to say, what's your plan? What's your plan yeah. when it comes to this area? So thanks so much for yeah. joining us. Delighted, delighted to be with you. Good. Well, hey, let's get started with those who haven't had the privilege of knowing you as well as I have had, and just even getting a quick background on how has leadership integrity been in this idea of healthy leadership and the soul? How has that been a critical part of your teaching, your ministry, your mission over the years? Yeah. I mean, if you think of integrity, as sometimes we think about it, am I telling the truth or am I doing things behind the scenes that are not, you know, right? Um, but if you think about like the integrity of a building, we might use that same word to talk about the integrity of a building. And when it when it doesn't have that integrity, it means it won't hold up to the use. It'll fall apart. And that's usually a bit more of an inside job than on the out. And for me, I, you know, you before we were on, you said that I had been a forerunner in this topic. And in some ways you could say that. But I was wanting to say, actually, I was a forefaller. I was a uh, crasher far before running. And uh, the truth of, of my journey is why I'm so passionate about this topic. And it was in the context of my husband and I, you know, we've been well-trained. We've been involved with some of the most compelling, great, highly evangelistic ministries and great teaching environments uh, and set out to go do church planting in Boston way back in the 90s. And 
man, uh, if you look at integrity from the standpoint of structural stability, something that can hold the load, uh, we lacked it. It wasn't, you know, the moral failures or financial indiscretions and things like that that normally take the headlines for a lack of integrity. But when you really think about the the health of the structure of my life, and I'll stick to myself, my husband and I both have different stories to tell about a similar journey. Um, I imploded. I I did not have the inside strength to handle the load of leadership in a hard context, and um, and I think many people can graduate all through the right you know, go through all the right hoops, show up in the right places. And we don't realize, at least I didn't, that the the soul is like the interior scaffolding that's holding up whatever's going on on the outside. And so for me, really since that crash and how God so graciously took me on a new path, helping me understand how to care for my soul and that that even mattered, I didn't even know it was a category. And, uh, and, and so that has been really my work with leaders uh, since then, both, you know, in within churches and then alongside churches and then in a variety of different roles since. Uh, I would say that's been the drumbeat of my my passion that sort of sits at this intersection of spiritual formation or care of the soul, the interior world, and leadership. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. And yes, you're not alone. There's so many mm-hmm. uh, that have similar stories. And I think that's why yeah. we're here today is just mm-hmm. to be able to provide some some of those insights uh, yeah. and, and things of that nature. How long, Mindy, you know, have uh, have you kind of been engaged in this space ever since you referenced that time that you were specifically on the front lines of ministry? Oh, come on. You're going to ask me my age. Come on. <laughs> no, I don't care. I'm totally good with it. Totally good with it. Um, yeah, no, I, that happened. My crash was in 1995. So it's coming up on 30 years. Um, I, it took me a few years, uh, to sort of regain that stability and structural and, and, you know, whatever. But, and then I just started the healthier I got, God kept giving me more and more opportunities to help other people learn how to care for their soul. I wasn't trying to start a thing. I wasn't trying to do anything, but like one person would suggest one thing and then we created a line of journals and that's where my husband and I co-authored a little booklet on journaling and how to use journaling as a way to care for your soul. It was called Write for Your Soul and we packaged it with beautiful journals and sold them into bookstores all over the country. And it was just like, it was kind of fun and it just sort of unfolded out of my emerging health, which was the new thing instead of feeling like a grind or yeah. something I was driving on. Uh, it just was effortless in a sense. It was flowing. And yeah, we were still in Boston at that time. And uh, the internet was like bas- barely a thing. And one of our uh, community, he, he was, you know, we had a lot of friends that were part of the body of Christ and others who were not. And this guy, just a great friend. He was part of our sort of hanging out friend group uh, that we hoped to have a compelling witness toward. Anyway, he got to know what we were doing, saw that I was developing these little books and selling them into physical bookstores. And he said, you should get the URL for that. And I was like, what? He's like, you need the domain name because we were calling them Soul Care Journals. We were creating a little trademark and packaging them under that name. And uh, I I had no idea what he (laughs) was talking about. 
And he took me into this little like, um, you know, website, like back before websites were really well known where we registered the domain name. He's like, wow, it's available. You should register that in 1998. <laughs> wow. Wow. So I've had it uh, since then. And, and it has just had so many evolutions as my own life and ministry has evolved in those intervening years. Um, you know, it's been a, it's been a long time, but yeah, oh, this has been the it. enduring drumbeat. Yeah. Yes. Soulcare.com. And no, thank you. Thank you for all your, uh, that is rich experience that you have to offer, mm. you know, over these mm. last 30 years. And I think I've heard you say too, Mindy, just to kind of unpack this or go a layer deeper is that you and your work, you talk about SOS. And I guess this kind of gets back to this whole idea. We're here today to yeah. talk about an intentional mm -hmm. plan and like how the yes. soul even plays like a key part of that. But yeah. I think I've heard that said either strengthen your soul or save your soul. How, how does that SOS sort yeah. of relate to, yeah, as we witness and we see some of these other sort of integrity failures and in leadership, how is the soul, how is that SOS such a key component? It, well, it's vital and, and so often lost on people who are involved in vocational ministry because the thought is like we only think about the souls kind of like what jesus said and how could you benefit if you gain the whole world but forfeit your soul we sort of think about that as an evangelistic appeal to somebody who might be far from god like don't waste your life chasing after fame and fortune trust in god for your eternity and and that's what matters right and that's of course all true but what happens is we sort of stop thinking about the soul once you're saved and so leaders, you're sort of in the business of helping people come into a relationship with God. So you're casting that vision all the time. But really, we don't ever talk about the human soul um, outside of its eternal destiny. Like we talk about saving souls. We talk about all of those things, evangelism. And so we should, but we just don't have an imagination or a rhetoric and so the irony is that so many people in vocational ministry are, in fact, the ones whose souls are in very grave danger. They might be saved. I'm not talking about eternal danger. But your soul, your life, biblically understood, those two concepts are inextricably woven together. And you, you can have a quality of life. Your soul can be doing well or not so well. And sadly, it has become almost the norm, almost expected that people in vocational ministry after a certain period of time, you just sort of expect they're burnt out, they're struggling to keep up a healthy life of their own soul in the midst of their service and giving. And, you know, back in the 80s, like when I was coming into ministry and stuff, it was like, oh, I'd rather burn out than rust out. But those were sort of the only two options presented, and I don't think those are the only options. And and we have now routinely created environments and even systems that continue to applaud the external work that leaders do without having the right, in my opinion, imagination for the intentionality that needs to go, like you're talking about a plan, the intentionality that needs to go around the health of their souls. Yes, they're saved, but their souls need strengthening and so we our team started playing with the idea of sos which is that universal distress signal and a lot of leaders will not feel distress because they're so good at driving and keeping on going and ignoring possibly 
any of the symptoms that their soul may not be well. Um, so we were not only wanting to say save our souls, but also strengthening our souls. And that's that's what I think every leader, every leader needs to be able to see themselves in. We uh, ministry leadership. It takes a toll. It it extracts energy, and that's I mean even Jesus knew when power had left him. Um, yes, if that was Jesus. <laughs> it stands to reason that you do not have the capacity to give and give and give and give and give and give with no strategy for replenishment. So that's what I think of in a lot of how we're thinking about SOS and strengthening our souls. Because I I want to I want to see this become the new normal, that it's understood, it's presumed, and it's an open conversation to make sure that leaders are surrounded with the right relationships, practices, whatever it takes for them to be serving out of a place of health, because I think we've seen enough of what happens when we don't. You're exactly right. What you just said, Mindy, too, those those options, those two false options of, what do you say, burnout or rust out, that was really impactful. Oh, my oh, goodness. You don't, you're too young. You don't remember that. <laughs> people Hearing do it when I talk to people. Ouch. Yeah. 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 Those aren't the only two options. In fact, our work, we're starting to recognize that the threats on the negative side are not just burnout, rust out, we don't even pay attention to because the types of leaders we talk to, that's never, that was never on offer. But the burnout, the flame out, which we know what that is, the burnout, the flame out and the dropout, the sort of silent quitting, the like, I just don't want to be in ministry anymore. I don't have it in me to do this any longer. I can go sell real estate. I could do this. I could, and not that there's anything wrong with other vocations and God may be directing people and that's totally fine. But the dropping out because of the weariness of soul, that I care about. That If it's just a vocational shift, then of course the Lord's in that and that's good. But the, the burnout the flame out and the dropout are all significant risks for ministries and for leaders. And, uh, and what, and, and, and like, why are those the only options? Like, what if, what if we have a intentionality around living out? What about living out? Like, what, what does your soul flourishing look like in the context of leadership? How could we start to say, oh yeah, there was a time 30 years ago when Christian leaders predictably were burned out, but that's no longer the case. What if that were really to change in the next five years or less? Like, what if we say there are new norms? We are, there are new expectations. There are new, what if, what if leaders, this was a John Orper quote he used to say, what if leaders actually get to live the life they're working so hard to invite other people into? What if? Wow. No, that's profound too. Yeah. What uh -huh. if? What if? So let's go there. Let's imagine that world. And I think, uh, yes. you know, we share, we, we, we share that common heart, that desire. And you, yeah, you talked so much about these issues of the soul, which of course, um, just kind of playing into that other aspect of integrity too, even on the way that that you're just, you're so right. I mean, kind of works from that core from the inside out. And then we see things like 
the integrity failures, sort of the moral failures, the way that that plays out, even in terms of behavioral type things. And so, again, we're just real big believers that today is the day, you know, for organizations to step up, for leaders to step up, to have a, a positive collaborative sort of effort, even with the board of an organization that is there to provide a level of accountability, uh, support to the leader. So yeah, let's go into that what if of what if there were, you know, okay. some kind of a plan, if there were intentionality in place, like why do you think even just the idea of having, reducing it to a plan, like why is that even so important? Well, I I think, I mean, a plan doesn't guarantee that anybody's going to do the plan, but it gives you an occasion for a conversation. It gives you an occasion for reflection. It gives you an occasion to consider your alternatives. And those things all bode well to making better decisions. And again, it's not about perfect execution of a plan, but the making of a plan in and of itself is helpful. And it causes us, to, again, to, to reflect, what, what do I want my life to be like three months from now or a year from now? What do I want my, uh, my what, what do I want to feel like to be part of my family and also still leading this ministry? What do I, what do I want that to be like? When we start to, to dream a little bit, those are very healthy gears for us um, and puts us in a less reactive seat. Well, I'm just, I'm just responding to whatever comes my way. It's like, oh no, I actually, under God's guidance, I'm imagining what would be a preferred future? And that's what leaders do all the time for their organizations. But how do you turn that same creative envisioning to your own health, your own soul, the own, your own flourishing? And when we start to create a plan, uh, it helps. You know, the, I, I don't know if I told you this earlier, but a couple um, years ago now, a pastor that's actually local to me here in Colorado uh, but that we didn't know. We had a lot of mutual friends, but we didn't know each other at the time. weren't even aware of each other. He all of a sudden decides, I need to make sure my staff and I have soul care plans. And he's like, I don't even know why that came into my head. But he 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 Googled <laughs> he Googled soul care, saw the soul care website, sees me on there does a loop through his office of like, hey, does anybody know who this is? You know, just to vet <laughs> who is this, which is great. Right. And right. reaches out, reaches out and says, hey, I'm thinking about creating uh, a soul care plan for myself, for our executive team and for and requiring one for every single one of our staff members. What do you think about that? And we had so much fun coming alongside he and his entire staff with helping them think about how to create a soul care plan. And what I loved about his leadership, Michael, was he he's like, I can't make somebody do their plan. That's not mine to do. But if they're on my team, I can I can require them to have one. I can require them to have a plan. I can't make them do it, but I can require them to have a plan. And he's such a shepherd heart. I mean, he his staff loves him like he he. They ended up doing a retreat out here with us, the executive team, and we've done a lot of collaboration since, but just such a visionary leader. And he realized, he goes, Mindy, I realized I have made assumptions about my staff's health. And frankly, I think they have made assumptions about mine. And neither of those in this day 
are fair assumptions to make because all this happened, you know, post COVID and everything else. And he just, I, I just loved his leadership. I loved his initiative. I loved uh, coming alongside he and his team to say, all right, what would the edges of a soul care plan look like? How can we, how can we help you with that? So yeah, he's, I, I think a plan is essential. Anything that matters, you know, it just isn't going to happen by floating downstream and just sort of letting life live you, as my friend says. You want to live your life, not let life live you. That is so true. Yeah, we don't just sort of drift into health. We don't just drift into <laughs> integrity. No. Nope. Yeah, I really appreciate what you said, too. That's a great example, too, from that pastor of, yeah, we've been having a lot of conversations, too, Mindy, about sort of the, even the that dynamic between the board of an organization and its leader. And, and, you know, we've learned so much, but I think that example is so good too, to point out that point about assumptions. How often is it, you know, that the, the board, especially because they're interacting even less frequently Mm -hmm. with the senior leader of an organization than say the senior leader is with their staff how much even more prone are we to this, uh, you know, as boards, like making an assumption yes. about where the leader is, like how the health is, what integrity looks like. That's really profound. Well, yeah, I, I it was right around that time, actually, that I was serving as the chair of the board of our church, my local church here, and so had been in that seat for a number of years and had been on the board serving prior to being in that role. And I deeply love our church, love our pastors, et cetera. And I, so simultaneously, I'm working with this pastor locally about these soul care plans, and I get an email from ECFA. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I get an email from you all. If I were from yep. the South, I'd say y'all. I got an email from y'all saying, um, oh, we have a couple questions about the, I don't even know what you said, like the leadership integrity. I screenshot every single one of these things because I was so, oh my goodness. Um, First question, I think, uh, was, do you think a a moral failure or a lack of integrity in senior leadership, however you phrased it, would have a negative impact on donors' trust for your ministry? Yes, no, or I don't know. It's like, yes. So I answered that one. Next question. Do you have, does your senior leader have a written soul care plan that you as a board have reviewed? Yes, no, or I don't know. I'm leading soul care as an organization. I work with other churches to try to help them think through soul care plans. And it's not like I don't talk about it, but there was no sort of structure for needing to talk about it, if that makes sense. It was sort of hallway conversations and, hey, if we can ever be helpful to you and yeah, 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 you know, just great conversations, but not structured. And uh, and I had to say no. And then it's like, does your, the third question I think was, does your board review with your senior leader their soul care plan? I think that's what you called it, a soul care plan every year. Uh-huh. Yes, no, or I don't know. And that's why I was screenshotting those because I felt so like, this is hard. This is hard. Like we have a, I think, relatively healthy board, staff, senior leader relationship. And this is a very comfortable topic for me. Like I'm not, you know, as a board chair, it's not hard for me to talk about people's souls. 
And I just thought, wow, what would it be like if there were a a gentle nudge to require this as a structured conversation? Again, not to be heavy handed, no, no weirdness, like board leader relationships uh, that I'm aware of sort of out there in the world can sometimes be really hard. Um, but nonetheless, they are an important part of how governance happens, how accountability happens. And anyway, I'm probably way off whatever question you asked me. But no, that's good. I, those, those are good questions. Thank you for that confession, by the way. <laughs> it is a confession. I mean, I care yeah. about this stuff. This is my work. And even in that context, we had not had a specific conversation about it. Yeah, no, that's right. And I mean, you know, I joke about that being a confession, but the truth is you are not alone. And that survey, you're right. We, we, you know, ask questions around the impact of this, this whole topic on, on trust, you know, consistent with ECFA's mission. Um, we talked about the, it was kind of framed as care and accountability of the leader, you know, but we asked about, you know, how many of organizations have those plans in place that would relate to biblical character expectations. And that's probably a more common one that you would expect, but even with that, Mindy, uh, I think it was just around half of organizations had anything related to that. Uh, so huge opportunities in that area. But then you're right, it's very sobering when paired with, because we believe, again, yes, that the, the care of the leader, the soul of the leader, I mean, that's what, that's the critical like root that yields to a lot of those fruits when it comes to behavior, even yes. more sobering just in terms of, I think it was, gosh, 10 or 15%. I mean, a very yeah. small number of organizations uh, had taken steps in that way. So, yeah, kind of going in that direction. And, you know, you talked about being even prompted by that survey. Maybe it triggered some things even in your own mind about, hey, within this organization where I would serve on the board, let's talk with the leader about coming yep. up with, you know, some kind of plan. So sort of putting that yep. hat on and then the the hat of your rich experience over the years. I know this is a very dangerous question to ask you. I don't think it can all be reduced to that very simple. What's the one thing? Right. <laughs> but. <laughs> if you were to say, because I think a lot of people just honestly are a little overwhelmed. They don't know where to start, what to, you know, where to really even begin. Um, what would you say to that? Yeah. And I have been asked that uh, from time to time when a leader will be like, all right, you, you convinced me uh, in order to stay healthy and continue providing what I believe God's called me to do, um, I probably should care for my soul. And and this happened twice within a month. Two leaders asked me, both lead national, if not global networks. One said to me, all right, Mindy, what's the one thing? Tell me the one thing. And I, I was, I, 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 I was deer in the headlights. I was like, ah, I don't, I don't know. I can't think of just one thing. And I mumbled some lame answer and really in a way missed the opportunity to serve that person well. Um, but I really didn't have an answer anyway. So like a month later, another leader, very similar to the first, says the exact same words. All right, what's the one thing? What's the one thing you need to do? And internally, I'm doing this like eye roll, like why do leaders have to reduce things to the one thing? Like it just is such a personality trait, right? <laughs> like give me just one thing. And I sense the Holy Spirit say, get off your high horse right now. Stop. Just stop. This person, he, he is literally asking what you think. 
and all of your fancy answers to how deep this topic is and how nuanced it is. He's not able to listen to all that, but he will listen to whatever you say next. I've put you in his life. I've given you favor in his eyes. You need to answer this question. And I was like, okay, but like, I don't have an answer, God. Like, what is, what is the answer? I don't have a one thing. And this doesn't happen often in my life, Michael, I promise you. But man, the few times it has, I'm so grateful. I just felt like I heard from God say, uh, you just tell him he needs a page, a person, and a plan. And I was like, you do alliteration? Like, come on. <laughs> the three-point sermon came from the Lord? <laughs> I know, right? Like, who, who would have guessed? And it, it, I kind of sense, like, yeah, we'll talk about that later. But tell him he needs a page, a person, and a plan. And so I did. Like, I, I didn't really think about it. I just started telling this person. It was a Zoom call, uh, kind of like this. And I just said, well, you know, you really kind of need a page, here's one way to think about it. You need a page, a person, and a plan. And here's what I mean by that. First of all, guys, if you're listening and you're willing to take care of your soul, please keep these three things in mind. And because of the alliteration, they can kind of count as one. It's a page, a person, and a plan. What I mean by a page is this. Um, Your leadership will be, uh, you'll you'll hit a pretty profound ceiling at the capacity that you possess for self-reflection. A page is sort of a shorthand way of referring to the invitation of a journal, of writing things down, reflecting. Why am I doing this? How do I feel today? What is What was behind that snappy response I gave to my spouse? Anything like that. God, where are you in this situation? That kind of reflection is vital. And there's, interestingly, not surprising, I guess, because of God being God, but there's neuroscience, strong neuroscience findings under each of these three things. So The first is an invitation to the page, an invitation to reflection. The second, the person, is honestly one of the hardest things that we find for leaders because the higher you are in a leadership responsibility role, the more visible you are publicly, the less there are people who can just be your friend, who can show up and be for you and who don't need you to be anything or do anything. And uh, those safe places are vital they are absolutely vital, whether you find that through a ministry peer in your town or a spiritual director or a coach or a therapist, doesn't matter. Um, we all need somebody who is for us and who can be with us in the ups and downs of life and who can be that sounding board, that mirror, that place of, um, yeah, of a sort of loving but challenge, like who, who cares about who you're becoming and is contending with you for that future. So it's not just somebody you're golfing with or hanging out with, as fun as that is. It's somebody who is attending to the life of God in you and helping you be responsive to what God's doing in your life. Those are vital roles. So you need a page, you need a person, and then you need a plan. And so this is how it sort of ties into all the things um, that you guys are dreaming about that I think is so important. Again, Doing the plan is a whole separate thing and also matters, but even the forming of a plan, it starts your wheels turning. Well, what would be the the mechanics of a plan? What would be the dimensions of growth that I would be looking to support? When we work with groups, we, we anchor a lot around those five dimensions of flourishing that come out of the Human Flourishing Project at Harvard and in collaboration with lots of great um, Christian and secular organizations. But human flourishing is 
that's God's first, <laughs> that's God's first game. It's the vision of Shalom of how are we living the life that God uh, has intended for us. So, um, yeah, so a page, a person, and a plan is now my answer to um, what's the one thing. And uh, and sometimes when we think about, like, any way of inviting leaders into the health of their own soul, we usually need, you know, the page, person, and a plan becomes the answer. The other piece that we're finding really helpful is the role of assessment. And giving people a, a pretty accessible, pretty quick to go through uh, assessment of what's current for them, what, what's what's going on uh, for them in these different dimensions. And when you couple together an assessment and then with some intentionality around what you might do, um, our hope is to see the health of leaders' souls uh, really begin to rise and and stay at a place that becomes a new norm. That is so good and easy to remember. So there you go. Age <laughs> person plan, assessment. Maybe on that last point, Mindy, because we're all about to just putting very practical handles yeah. around these things with the assessment. Is that something that you all make available or where do you recommend uh, yeah. folks go in terms of some of those assessments, whether it's an individual leader or a board working with the leader? How do we how do we do some of those assessments? Yeah, we have built one uh, through Soul Care. I, I think there's probably many that exist that are really strong. Um, but in ours, uh, we are finding it helpful not only for individuals to receive feedback on what's current for them, but also for in uh, in aggregate, but uh, de-identified, not uh, for a group to be able to see or a leader to be able to see for their team or their uh, staff where they're at. Um, yeah, I think assessment is vital. Uh, we we um, it, it's tricky. Uh, and another great John Robert quote. Uh, that the only thing crazier than trying to measure spiritual growth or spiritual health in this case is to not to not oh. try. Yeah, that's good. It's crazy, and it's even crazier to not try. So um, anyway, so yeah, whatever assessment we have, we have a whole uh, page of resources that would be available for uh, for you guys. It'll be just soulcare.com/integrity for on the basis of this conversation and that assessment that we have will be available there um, if leaders want to look into it more and understand just get some initial feedback on where where you're at it goes through um, there's like 23 questions it's pretty fast takes less than four minutes usually four or five minutes to take and it has um, some like what are some current symptoms for you that actually doesn't move into the 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 um, the numeric score at the end because it just is so varied and we understand the life being what it is those things are going to change all the time but it's a good reflection process to go like which of these things feel true for me today and then uh and then it goes into those five dimensions of flourishing at a very high level like how are you doing it's just simple are you i'm doing well i'm doing okay or i'm struggling simple wow. answers simple feedback and then we go into some questions about the intentionality around the care of your own soul and how how much are you taking ownership for that? That's a cool thing to see advance over time. And then uh, a series of questions that have to do with that burnout, flame out, drop out, uh, and then specifically about how your soul is showing up in the context of vocation. Um, 
I'm, we're learning how many people feel uh, quite isolated. And that's leadership is isolating. It is a very lonely responsibility. Um, so again, when we look at what we're finding in all this data, because we've had, you know, now hundreds and hundreds of people have taken this, it's it's like, okay, what what is this saying to the body of Christ that this is where leaders are at? And how do we how do we come alongside? How might other organizations come alongside? How do we how do we all we need hundreds of <laughs> of caregiving organizations. We need hundreds of safe places. We need many, many, many voices and many opportunities for people and for for leaders to receive the level of care that I think is needed. I often say we need to dream at the level of of what it will take to meet the need as it exists in the world rather than dream at the level of how do we see we could make incremental progress because I, as I said, I just, I feel like there's urgency around this massive urgency right now. Um, it's just not okay that the leaders of God's people are the ones who are so often just burning out, just dying inside. And they were, they are so faithful to their calling. They are so faithful to Jesus. They're never going to leave, which is lovely, but they don't have to keep dying inside. And yeah, friends, if that's you today, reach out, call Soul Care, any other organization that you know of that uh, that knows how to hold space with you as a leader. Please, this is urgent. It, it we're just I'm so I'm so over the really really tragic headlines. There was one, um, yeah, yeah, one from a pastor some time ago in California, I think. Um who sadly took his own life. And we hear that more and more. And I looked at the picture of him and his precious wife, and they had three sons, which is what we had, three sons oh. have. And, um, you know, mental health being what it is, you never know how close you or a loved one might be to a really, in a moment, tragic decision that somehow makes sense to them in that time. And I remember looking at that picture and just tears coming to my eyes because it's like, that could have been our story. It could have been somebody else's story. It could be it could be so many other people's stories. And Michael, I just want to say, well, I, you know, you know I'm praying for you and with you. Um, it feels so right for your organization to step into this space in a way that honors the complexity, honors the relational, you know, dynamics that exist, but still holds high. We care about the structural integrity of leadership. We care about what's really going on inside because we know any bad behavioral decisions that happen sort of at the surface all come from that inner space. And to come alongside that and help elevate that to the level of um, your membership, Godspeed. <laughs> Godspeed, my friend. You know you know how strongly I'm very excited for um, supporting that in whatever way I can. Well, thank you. Even today's conversation, just a huge part of that. We don't take that lightly. And yeah, you're right. I mean, it's so easy to talk about these issues and talk about them on a high level, to broaden, you know, to generalize. 
but you're so right. You know, you think about these specific instances, um, tragic situations, like these are people, these are real yes. life yes. stories. And yes. um, even if we're able just to make the difference in the life of one, yep. it would be so worth it. So thank yep. you for that. Thank you for the resources hmm. that you're making available. Um, yeah. Delighted we're grateful to. for that. And uh, I think just to round out the conversation too, because again, you've seen it firsthand, you've been at this for a while, you've seen, um, see, now I'm going to forget the P's. <laughs> so this is our good refresher. The, uh, <laughs> the page, the person, and the plan. The, there the you page, go. The page, that's the one, page, person, and plan. Uh, just give us a success story, uh, if you oh. don't mind, just as you've as you've worked, and I'm sure you, it's going to be hard not to pick, uh, to choose a favorite, I guess. But just as you think about the real difference that this can make uh, in the life of a leader, what's what's a good success story? I'll share two. I'll try to be quick. One is that pastor in Colorado who reached out to me. I wondered. Okay, good. They decided to embed this process of creating a soul care plan as part of their onboarding for all new employees and as an annual re-up for their team. It's like like they were reading your uh, reading your notes somehow. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and just the fact that they continue, like I can see the environment that they move into where we host all this stuff. And it's just so cool to see them continue to bring their people through, continue to hold this high. And it, it, it reminds me of, you know, that great title of that book, you know, a long obedience in the same direction. It's like, that's what I, I love seeing things go from an idea that, you know, how that happens in churches and everywhere. It's like, oh, it's the hot idea for a minute. And then everybody like does a lot of shenanigans. And then six months later, nobody, it's gone. And to see this now for several years that it's, I've, it's probably been, it'll be two coming up on two years. So over a year that they continue, this has just become part of their structure. And I think that's when you start to see change, that you yeah. have new norms set, you have new conversations. This is now an active conversation about what it means to be part of that staff. So, okay, that's one I would say. The other is um, we, we our team had created this like this journey, about an eight-week journey to try to instill some big ideas around this care of the soul, some practices, some spiritual direction appointments, et cetera. And then we framed that around that SOS idea and offered it to some organizations just as a pilot to say, hey, we don't know if our help helps. We just want to try to see. And so we're now getting interviews with the people who've done this. And, um, oh, it's so encouraging. It is so encouraging. I, I, I could pull up one of the responses we just got yesterday from somebody who's now in the more formal version of it. And she just finished the the eight weeks and was effusive about how helpful this was to her reconnecting with God in real time. Like no matter what else happens, when leaders can pause and drop the sort of noise floor of their life enough to just reconnect with God, like that's game over right there. Like that, that anything else is upside. <laughs> And uh, and so we we're we're hearing that that three part framework is just simple enough that people can remember it and uh, and it's it's providing the structural support that that I think again back to that idea that the soul is like this interior scaffolding 
like when you strengthen that interior scaffolding, then then the building can hold its load. And yeah, we are seeing that that is happening. So I don't know if those two examples are what you're thinking, but yeah. No, it's perfect. And I think we just came full circle. So that's yeah, a great yeah. place to land the conversation again. I, I love that analogy. You're right. Um, just as we think about integrity in the sense of faithfulness in the long haul and being able to have the right structure, the right systems, the right, I think, community uh, around a leader to help uh, to help them finish well. Uh, leadership integrity for the long haul. So well said. Thanks for your insights today. Thanks for um, your challenges. And uh, again, just all your support, all the work that you're doing in this space. We appreciate it so much. Thank you. It's an honor to be part of it with you. Thank you. I look forward to many more good conversations down the road. That'll be coming for sure. You got to come out and visit me. I didn't show you my view, but you got to come visit us in Boulder. It's pretty awesome here. It's good for your soul. You want to see? There you go. Hey, we do our podcast on YouTube, so you'll you'll make some people jealous. So there there you you go. go. You come on (laughs) out. Beautiful. Come hang out with me and the birds and the chickens and whatever else we have out here by then. Consider it an invitation called Whisper Ranch. Whisper Ranch. All right, Mm -hmm. Mindy. Hey, thanks again so much. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening to the ECFA Behind the Seal podcast. Well, I hope this season has been enjoyable and you have been considering the connection between healthy governance, healthy financials, and healthy leadership. Well, you may have noticed how the word soul has come up so many times in the podcast. Hopefully you've listened to several of them this season. Go back if you haven't. You'll notice that is a huge trend and it's because it is at, I'm sorry to do this, the heart or the soul of this topic. And I just love the detail that Mindy points out consider the word soul. We think of saving a soul, saving the eternal soul. However, the soteriology of it all, what are we being saved from? Perhaps we forget that we're alive today and that God's work in us today through the Holy Spirit, through his word, and embracing Mindy's wisdom, a page, a person, and a plan. There's salvation for our souls today. Hey, God bless. Don't forget to leave a review, share this with a friend wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you next time.